This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. This isn't hard. It's impossible to be a great dad and a great husband. Story one, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad, episode 84. This week's episode, if this is your first time listening, you are in for a special treat. Today's guest, Ron Olson, is going to go deep into some major nuggets of wisdom. I took so much away from this episode. If you are a longtime listener, thank you so much for keep coming back to this podcast. I know there are thousands, literally thousands of options for places to invest your time every single day. And I appreciate that you keep coming back and you return for the value and the wisdom that we share within these conversations. If you're not tuned in to Fatherhood Fridays, check those out. Those are Friday episodes where I just me and the microphone sharing some wisdom from my life, some thing on my heart that time or something just going on and I just want to talk about it. So it's my opportunity to just kind of come to the microphone and share what's going on. I've been doing those since January 1st. And if you want to catch what those are going on, go to militaryveterandad.com. There's a link in the upper right-hand corner and you can get a big giant list of all the different episodes that we've launched for Fatherhood Friday. And if you've been a longtime listener and haven't left the iTunes review, please head on over to Apple and leave an iTunes review because those reviews mean the world to me. When I read those, those touch my heart and they fuel my journey. Even drop me an email. If you don't want to leave a review, just drop me an email, ben at militaryveterandad.com. I love getting emails from listeners and understanding how these episodes are empowering them to be a better father, to be a better human being, and to come home because that's what the mission of this podcast is. So either drop a review on iTunes or drop me an email. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. So let's get started with today's guest, Rod Olson, or as he's known in the coaching world, Coach O. He's a catalyst and a coach's coach known for his ability to help high-performing leaders see things others don't see and find their sweet spot as they lead and motivate others in the 21st century. He is the founder of the Coaches Excellent Institute and Coach O Consulting Group. Rod is the author of three highly acclaimed leadership fables, The Leader Legacy Builder, Wisdom Lunch Warrior, and greatest motivational tool. After nearly 20 years as a college football coach, Rod has spent the last decade plus working with elite teams and organizations while teaching, coaching, and mentoring some of the top coaches and leaders in our country. He is a nationally recognized speaker and leadership consultant specializing in high-level leadership coaching, culture development. Rod has clients in the corporate sector, professional, collegiate sports, and, and with United States military special forces. Rod is a husband, a father, and a coach. And so without further ado, let's get started with this week's episode with Rod Olson, and I will talk to you on the other side of the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Rod. Hey, great to be here, Ben. I appreciate you, and I'm looking forward to talking. I'm excited because this interview kind of came 
out of nowhere because I was originally not connected really well with the sports world. But then I was having a different interview and the amount of similarities we had in that interview, I was like, I think there's an entire new world where the sports world can really bring into the veteran world and teach some of the same lessons that the sports world gets to spend millions of dollars to try to incorporate and fix because they have a lot more money and energy to fix these things. And the veteran world, we don't often have that. And so today's episode is all about bringing some value in a different world that we don't get to see enough and into our world as military dads. So welcome to the podcast, Rod. Can you go ahead and tell us a bit about your family and a little bit about your background? Sure. Very briefly, I've been married for 30 years to the same woman. So that's good. I've got three children, my uh, boy, girl, and boy. Older two are married. My uh, youngest one, he also just graduated from college. So pretty much empty nesters. Just got one grandchild and another one on the way, but uh, very blessed, fortunate. We live in Colorado, have been for quite a while, but uh, I'm on airplanes a lot. So uh, it's a good place to come and go from. I spent about roughly 20 years as a college football coach, started out baseball and football, and then as I got to the higher levels, just football. And, and then from that, about, oh, a little over a decade and a half ago, I started coaching coaches, and that evolved to training leaders in all different industries, everything from college coaches and, and high school coaches to executives, companies, special forces leaders, and then just also spent a lot of time in the corporate world, too, training leaders there. And basically spent probably the last decade or so trying to help high-speed leaders, high-impact environments and high-stakes environments, try and help them find their sweet spot, both at work and at home, so they can they can be the best person that they can be because you can't give away what you don't possess yourself. You might be great at work, but if, if you're not great at home, eventually it's going to impact work and vice versa. Uh, I just love, love helping leaders be the best they can be. I love that. It speaks to something that I bring into my professional speak career is that being more connected at work or being more connected at home creates a more connected employee at work and employees often separate that and employers often separate that there's a work life and a home life. But if you help an employee create a better home life, they actually become more productive at work. And most people aren't talking about that because it's like the one thing that can really transform how someone shows up because generally people are talking about when they're at home, they're thinking about work. And when they're at work, they're thinking about home. And we don't often dive into that. I want to dive into one particular question from those coaches that you were interviewing, people that perceive them to be like elite operators that they've gotten together, they're leading their football teams. What was the most common problem that they were facing that most people probably don't know? You know, first of all, you're a veteran, so you understand from an experiential standpoint just how hard it is on your family and how hard it is on you as a man and as a leader. And, and so for me, I was blessed, you know, to have those, you know, 17 to 18 years um, we moved 14 times, you know, you know, our oldest son was in five different elementary schools. So, you know, it's a lot of things that military guys deal with too, you know, and I work a lot with the, you know, with the uh, new special warfare and those guys are rotating every two years. And so, so same with us, it's, it's just a very difficult lifestyle. You know, the biggest thing probably that everybody talks about is balance and it's really not balance. I mean, to me, I teach for a long time and, and I myself used to fight for, you know, I used to, oh, I need to be in perfect balance all the, the time at home when it worked. And I quit teaching that about, about nine years ago because it's, it's a myth and it's a lie from the pit. Oh, it smells like smoke, man. It's just, and so we started really researching elite and talking to elite performers and, and high-speed high, high leaders and, and, and people that have really made impacts in the world. And, and pretty soon you find out whether they're an athlete or an inventor or, a, or just a, a leader. Pretty soon you find out, you know what, anybody who's elite's way out of balance because they're so passionate about what they believe in and they're just driven to it. And so one of the things that we used to talk about now is, hey, if you're an elite performer, don't try and be perfect all the time. What you really need to be doing is fighting for balance. And, and you hit the nail on the head earlier when you mentioned, 
you know what, it's, it's all about when I'm at home, I'm trying to figure out work and I'm at work, I'm trying to figure out home. Well, let's just be where our feet are. And, and you know, when you're at work, you're going to fight for everything you got. And the compartmentalization days are gone. You know, when I work with high level leaders in charge of thousands of people, they may have to compartmentalize a little bit because they have to control everything at least a little and have some sense of organization, excuse me, organization. But, but really the days of compartmentalization are gone. You know, I mean, it used to be 20 years ago, my wife would call me at work and, and you couldn't get a hold of me, you know, but now everybody's got access to everybody all the time. So fighting for balance is a concept that we, we work, I work hard on personally. And, you know, I, I have a saying, Ben, never trust anybody without a limp, but I shouldn't say I have it. We had as coaches and I don't want to hear from somebody that wrote a book and then claims to be an expert. It's not going to teach me how to do something they haven't been through. And, you know, it's kind of like the whole divorce thing. I haven't been divorced and I hope I never am, but I don't want to talk to someone who's never been through a divorce, let alone hasn't come out of it either. I, I, I want to talk to someone who's been through that and struggled and found ways and, and things to do to make it better. So I, I got a limp. I, I struggle with balance. I struggle with basically all the things I teach. But I think that's important too because, you know, this is an ongoing fluid process where every day is a new day. And, and even though we may struggle the day before, you know, we got a chance the next day. You know, I've got a saying that really helped on to the last couple of years for myself and it's you know i'm not the man i want to thank god i'm not the man i used to be so it's hey, it's all about process right just trying to get better every day and you hit something right on the head there about balance and i think balance is something that a lot of people use as a buzzword that there's work-life balance and it's a common question but i've often like the best way i've described it is throw the word balance out and try to create a work life that's integrated with family life like don't try to incorporate as an or statement that i'm at work or at home Try to create like I'm a worker that has a job, but then also I'm a guy that has a dad. Like those are hats that I wear at the same time. And it's about how you integrate that life. And that's what I'm on my own journey now of trying to create a stay-at-home dad life with this podcast, turning into a business that it's integrated, that it's not an or statement in my life. I get to be a dad and I get to be a podcaster. And it's something that they meet each other and they serve each other in a very complimenting way versus like always trying to like go all in on your work and then overwork and then come home and then you forget about work too much, like try to make it an integrated life. And I like what you talked about. So many of those coaches are, they try to be someone they're not, that there is like this, they have to have this projection that they're supposed to be in that position because it's kind of like the same crutch of like a military commander has the same problem. They have to kind of assume the role, like I'm worthy to be in that role or even a CEO of a company. But the reality is what most leaders don't realize is that when you admit what everybody else probably in the room already knows, you create a sense of trust that you aren't some person that just ignores what everybody else knows to be true. You, what you think you're holding in, like, I can't say that out loud. Everybody else already knows. But when you say it out loud, you create that vulnerability and that space for everybody. Like, I think a lot of even sports professionals and veterans, both sides, we don't talk about what our family life looks like because it's not something that's a safe place to do it. Like the military, you were talking, we were talking about Navy SEALs before recording. There's not a lot of banter at work about family life. And that often creates a space where you don't get a chance to be dad at work because everybody's talking about other things because that's what you think you need to talk about. When in reality, most people probably want to talk about being a dad. They're just waiting for someone to go first and start the conversation. It's just this giant lie that everybody keeps repeating to ourselves that we can't talk about work, family at work. When in reality, everybody wants to talk about family. It's the most important part of their life. And you, that's where you can build connection and you build that feeling like you're not alone, which is often what probably a lot of professionals feel like. A lot of coaches feel like they probably can't lean on anybody because they have to be the guy that has it all together, that knows it all. 
And that's probably the biggest lie that a coach ever tells himself. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing we see is those are great points. And the other thing we see too is guys go overboard. I did it too. You know, you, you can't go from not caring about home to all I do is care about home now, you know, and, and I just, I'm way overboard and I start neglecting work. So again, it's that sweet spot, right? It's the rub. You got to find the right spot. And, uh, and it's, and it's an ongoing moving target. You know, that's, that's the name of the game too, is to understand that, you know, the ability to be agile, you know, just like what we're talking about now, I spend a lot of time with the corporate leaders right now on how can you be more nimble and agile as a company so you can survive all these crises and pandemics and everything else. And if you're not agile, as a leadership team or, or with yourself and you can't adjust and make changes quickly on the fly. And, that, and you've, you've seen the high performing groups too, whether it's Delta or SEAL Team 6, you know, those guys get paid to be nimble, man. Those guys get, you know, they are super agile, can adjust on the fly. And, and that's what we need all need to be able to do in today's world. Absolutely. I spoke with Remy Adeliki, who's also a former Navy SEAL, and he was talking about how COVID was affecting him. And he was saying how it's not affecting him at all because as Navy SEALs, he was trained to be nimble, trained to plan for it. Like he had a home gym a year ago without really any idea of what he was planning for, but he was already prepared for that kind of worst case scenario. And he's always improvising, adapting and overcoming. And that was just something he now incorporates. And I think the lie that we also tell ourselves is that we actually get to a life where it's, our life becomes rigid. That Life is never rigid. It's about the challenge. Life has always given you different obstacles to jump through, whether it be COVID or whether it be something else. Like the struggle of life is actually the beauty of life. And we often lie to ourselves, especially even business. I think everybody, when they're starting a business, even myself, I've had the same feeling like, oh, there's gonna be this point where my business isn't a struggle. No, every time that struggle is where you grow. And there was a post on LinkedIn that I recently read where a company was deciding like, maybe we should just give up because everybody was very frustrated in the company. And then he was reminded of something. I can't remember how it came into it, but he's like, Airbnb was started in the last great recession. Like this is the opportunity where we can be nimble and reinvent ourselves potentially. And you have to have that mindset of the struggle, the growth. And I think as you train for any type of sports professionals, you think there's probably a plateau that you reach. Like if I can just train enough to get there, I'll be cruising at 30,000 feet and there won't be any turbulence, but there's always turbulence. Like if you're, if there's no turbulence, you're six feet under. So one other thing that I wanted to dive into and unpack, you have something called the Legacy Builder. Go ahead and unpack and what that talks about. Because Legacy is something I have cemented in our my logo for my podcast because many military dads focus on the service of their as their legacy when really their legacy is their family. And that's the biggest lesson I've learned by this podcast is making that switch from service of legacy to family of legacy. That's really where you start to make those steps to come home. So go ahead and unpack what you your Legacy Builder is and how you frame it. I think, again, the term legacy builder uh, actually comes from a mentor of mine that he challenged me that it's not just about the memory of you. It's actually that, for instance, in sports, the players of today are the coaches of tomorrow. So if I'm going to truly leave a legacy I'm gonna, and change the culture of sport and how we coach and how we do sport, you know, then, then I'm going to have to build my legacy into my players. The greatest level, uh, depth, le deep level of leadership is when, is when people replicate and then that's the chain breaker, just like in my marriage, you know, um, my wife and I both come from a long line of alcoholics and we wanted to be chain breakers in that situation, both emotionally and spiritually and everything else. In this day and age, teaching a lot and, and doing a lot of things and people would always ask me, hey, do you have a book? You know, do you have a book that could follow up this? So I'm like, hey, I'm a P major, I'll never have a book, but uh, I never really wanted to have one, but then things evolved and my first book we actually did we called it a legacy builder and basically talk about five or six non-negotiables or, or you know core principles 
that are timeless principles that are around for thousands of years, but they work both at home and at work, and they can help you be the best you can be and truly leave your legacy in other people uh, so they can replicate what you've done and then make it even better. You know, at the end of the day, when I consult and work with people, you know, I tell them my job is to work myself out of a job. And just like when I was coaching, you know, I have to develop players and, and develop habits in my players that they're hold up under pressure. And that means when I'm not there and coaching is parenting. And, you know, same with me. When I parent my kids, my goal is to make them self-sufficient and get to a place where they don't need us. Um, they want to be around us, but they don't need us. And the same thing with leadership and, and everything else. And that's being a legacy builder. I love that because we you talk about changing your family tree. That's something that I don't think a lot of people realize they have the power to. I feel like a lot of people get stuck in this is the way my life has transfolded and that that path was already set in stone and that I can't change who I was in the past. And even for myself, like I feel like there was different stories of myself that I was living on on repeat because those stories helped identify who I was, but they weren't serving me. And in the last 65 or last almost six months, I've really gone on a journey helping change my story. I've lost 30 pounds. I just completed a 75 hard journey. And all of that has been a story or a new story being written of like, I never had a beard my entire life. And now I have a beard. I feel amazing now that I not necessarily have a beard, but I've lost 30 pounds. I have more energy. And that's helping me create a stronger legacy because what you don't also realize, and I'm sure you find the same thing. Legacy isn't something you just create. Legacy is something that has to come out from within. And you have to, to know who you are in the inside. And when you start bringing that to the people around you, that really helps allow you to shape your kids, to help them understand who they are. And that I can honestly feel in the last six months, like I feel like I've even been a better dad. And I felt like I was a good dad before, but now the energy, the connection, the excitement that I have is different because I'm able to pull more out from within versus trying to organize it from externally or try to set up a lie to myself or just try to eat enough Oreos that day to make myself feel happy that day and which none of that actually works. Like I can, I can, I can shortcut that for you. That method does not create a stronger you. Yeah. I, I think it's important too, to, and I appreciate you sharing that. It's important to realize too, that, you know, just like all the principles I teach and everything else. And this isn't, this isn't hard. It's impossible to be a great dad and a great husband. And, and so it's the pursuit of it. And, you know, I'd be lying to you, Ben, if I didn't say, Hey, my faith plays a big part in, in everything that I do. And, and, you know, and, and again, the reason I, I started coaching differently and being a relationship driven coach, instead of motivating out of, out of fear and intimidation, you know, and just trying to win is, is because, you know, I had a mentor tell me, he goes, yeah, dude, you know, these players aren't yours. They're God's kids and you're just renting them and you're going to have to answer for this. And it, it gave me a whole different perspective on my faith and how to integrate my faith into what I do too. And, and, you know, and I, it's another big encouragement for people that you can't do this alone. There's no way. It's too hard. And the world's getting more complex every day. My prayers is to be a simple man in a complex world. Man. That, that's the name of the game. Be a simple fire and, and don't get caught up in, in everything if you can, because it's hard, man. It's, it's a battle every day, but, but it can be a fun battle, too, as you talked about. Absolutely. And I, I can't grow a beard like that, so I'm gonna, but maybe I can lose 30 pounds. That'd be the goal. Well, the 75 day challenge is something that I got a podcaster in St. Louis started. And essentially, you do two workouts a day, a drink a gallon of water, stick to a diet, read 10 pages, and take a picture of yourself for five days or five, those five things for 75 days. And this last Sunday was my 75th day. So it felt like an amazing journey. And it was kind of born out of this idea that for COVID, that I knew on the other side of COVID, I wanted to be more of the better self that I knew I could be on the inside. And COVID, as long as I don't die from it, it will be the one thing that helped change my life in a way that nothing else could. 
because it gave me the gift of time and freedom to really enter into the space where I could really just 10x what I wasn't doing and get to a place that I've never been before. So let's unpack a little bit about your, your family and raising your kids. What are some of the things that you think that you did well when you were raising your kids that helped them identify who they are today? Well, I think first things first is I love Rex Ryan's quote for coaches. He said there and wives, he said there are two kinds of wives, coaches, wives, good ones and ex ones. And so well, for me, you know, man, I've got a great wife and uh, Marla has been my rock. She she's the kind of person I aspire to be her patience, uh, her level of compassion and empathy. Um, but I think we're a good match, you know, because uh, as we raised our children, I'm going to tell you this. The biggest thing, Ben, that, that I hope everybody picks up on is you and your spouse have got to be on the same page when it comes to discipline, when it comes to goals, when it comes to values and what we believe in and what we don't believe in, you know, because I see so many families where, you know, one person believes in discipline and then the other one says, no, let's just let them figure it out. And, you know, and, and so, and there has to be some give and take, obviously, but, but at the end of the day, you know, it's you and your wife against those kids, man. <laughs> and, and, and we got, and so, and, and you know what I mean by against, and I think there's another thing that's important for us. We wanted to be chain breakers. We wanted our kids to grow up in a, and have a faith that was their own, you know, not just be our faith and, and our values and our beliefs. We wanted to get them to a point where they understood what our philosophy on life was. And, and remember high clarity equals high performance. So we drilled it into a man. Control your controllables. That means your attitude and effort are vital, man. And you better dominate your controllables. You know, and you better be a person who has a mistake philosophy, you know, and you better be able to admit it, fix it, and don't repeat it. You know, you got to have a mistake philosophy. How do you handle it when you screw up? And in our house, those things were important. And then the other thing we really instilled into them that comes from our faith also is you better be a we person, not a me person. You better understand that you're a man and a woman that's built for other people. And if we're going to impact the world, you've got to understand that you need to be a servant leader. And, and that means you go further, you go first, and you give maximum sacrifice. And, you know, it's kind of a, a thing we've lived by that, you know, you help other people get what they want, you'll, you'll get what you need. You know, the biggest thing I shared, I just shared it a couple of weeks ago when I was teaching too, is, and I, I can't remember where I got it. I wish I could give the guy credit, you know, but, but it's called the four C's of parenting. And, it, and we've kind of tweaked it over the years. And I, and I love it. It's four stages of parenting that if you're a healthy, good parent, uh, you'll go through these stages with your kids in this order. And I'll give them to you here. The first stage is the coaching stage. And, and I'm going to give you some ages that go with these stages, Ben, but the, the ages really aren't what matters. It's just that you go through these stages. And the coaching stage roughly goes from age zero to 18. Um, you know, and coaching means you teach them every freaking thing. You're teaching them how to tie their shoes. You're teaching them how to go to the bathroom. You're teaching them how to eat, how to cut their food. Then you're, then you're teaching them how to go to school and interact with other people properly. You know? And then, then you're teaching them how to study. And then you're teaching them how to make good decisions. You know, And, and, and then you're teaching them how to drive a car and, and, and how to date and, and all those things. Then you're teaching them how to get ready to go to college or whatever they're going to do after that. And then at about age 18 or 19, you know, when they either go off to college or, or get their own jobs or do whatever, um, in the next stage of life, we call that the counselor stage. And that's usually from around age 19 to maybe 23, something like that. And in this stage, your kids are gone now, but they're going to call you. Uh, or if they're with you, they're probably, and they're going to want to talk to you. And now great counselors, they don't give advice, they listen. And so you're going to, we always say, hey, from my wife says this too, they go off to college or whatever, and they call up and they really just want to throw up on you. 
for about 20 minutes about all the stuff they're experiencing. And, and the worst thing you can do is start telling them what to do. You know, you just need to let them talk. So if you're going to move through the stages of these relationships, this needs to happen. And then once they hit about 23, 24, they start making decisions maybe about marriage or jobs or or maybe going to, to, to get a advanced degree or whatever, or, you know, traveling, whatever. And so the next stage is the consultant stage. So you go from a coach to a co- to a co- counselor to now the consultant. And, you know, people hire, people hire consultants to get another perspective, to get a different viewpoint and to help them solve problems that maybe they can't solve themselves. And so now in this stage, you know, like I say, your kids might call you up and go, hey, I'm thinking about getting married. You know, what do you think, dad? Or, 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 or hey, dad, I'm, I'm thinking about going to getting a master's degree. What do you think, dad? Or, hey, dad, I'm thinking about going and fishing on a, being a fisherman guy in the Bering Sea for a year. You know, I don't know, but, and all they want is kind of your wisdom and, and now you just tell them, hey, from my perspective, here's what I've I've learned. And and again, you're again a consultant can't make people do things. You just give them your information and, and assessments, and then you got to trust they make decisions. The last stage is now when they get married and have their own children, and their spouses and parents. And now we become colleagues. We're we're in the same world. And so you know, I always have a saying. You know, I was taught you won't know if you're a good parent until you see your kid's parent. That takes a long time. And what's interesting about these stages of the coach, the counselor, the consultant, and the colleague is the research shows us that 80 to 84% roughly of the parents in America stay in the coaching stage the entire time. And that means the helicopter parenting, the Velcro parenting continues even through their marriage and having their own children. And that's ridiculous. And so we vowed, hey, we're never going to let that happen. We're going to make sure that we don't stunt the growth and development of our children. And we're going to be intentional about, about going through these stages with our children. And it's hard. It's really hard. It's a lot harder for me than it is my wife. Uh, but then when we have grandkids, you know, it's interesting how my wife is like, yeah, I got to make sure I don't raise those kids. They're not my kids. And we don't need to be over there every day. You know, we need every couple of days is fine. And we just had to be real intentional about that because we didn't want to be stuck in the coaching stage like most parents in America do. How old were you were you when you got that advice? I would say I was about 10 years into our marriage and our kids were, you know, I would say I was 36 then, something like that, mid 30s, you know, and, and one of the things I always say is I wish all, all the stuff I teach and and coach people on, I wish I would have seen it when I was 24, would have changed my life even faster. And um, so, yeah, it's, you know, my kids, fortunately, my kids were, were pretty young, you know, they were like five and my old. Oldest kid was five, and, and my youngest one wasn't born yet. So, so I mean, it, it was nice to be able. By the way, we feel, I feel sorry for our, our oldest son, Colt, because you know he was the guinea pig, right? And and uh, some things we did well, and some things we didn't. But at the end of the day, the the only right way to parent is to really make sure you're parenting with the end in mind, always, always, always. And I think there's a word that under that is threaded through all four of those C's of coat or parenting. And I love those, by the way. I've never heard it broken down. And by what you also provided me as just a person listening to that. You provided me a way to label those different seasons in a way that actually allows me to transition that when you, and I don't think we often give that credit enough that when we understand how to label a season or a transition in our life, that gives us the ability to then get perspective on it and then actually take an action to move into that. But until someone tells you like, Hey, you're in the coaching, you haven't moved into the consultant stage yet or the counselor stage yet. Like that's a wake up, like, Oh man, that's something I needed to do. And so you provided me for that gift. Yeah. And Ben, they're, they're benchmarks, you know, and they're, and you know, one of the things master teachers do and master coaches do is they create 
evidence of learning and, and growth. And, and if you can't point to things that both for yourself as parents, but also to your kids, you know, one of the problems we have in the 21st century right now is all these kids are staying in, in the coaching stage themselves, you know, and, and they've been told a lie by society that, oh, just, hey, travel the world, do what you want, you know, and, and all of a sudden they're 30 years old. And the only job that they're qualified to do is Starbucks. And so they need to understand that from age, you know, 18 or 17 to, to 27 is when you're, hey, that's when you can work for a little money. That's when you can gain experience. You can go in the military. You can you can learn things and not just travel around. You know, travel's great, but why? Why are you doing it? You know, what are you trying to position yourself for? And, you know, right now, my youngest son, you know, great example, he's a lacrosse kid in college and, he, and all that kind of stuff. But he was going to go into hospitality and he got a degree in business, but he and I started talking. He goes, I think I want to be a college lacrosse coach, dad. And I go, good for you, man. What are you going to do? And he, he graduated from one college. And then we talked about, okay, well, where, what do you need to, he goes, what do I need to do next to make sure I can, I said, well, you got two years of eligibility left. You need to go play for a program. Like when I was fortunate to coach at Appalachian state and Oklahoma state, where all of a sudden, man, those guys knew how to coach and they had culture and systems and processes in place. And I was able to learn those. And I said, you need to go to a place in a university where they're doing at lacrosse and you can learn from great, great men who are great coaches. And so, you know, he's going to go to Limestone College and, and those guys are great. J.B. Clark and those guys are great coaches over there. And he's going to learn not only how to coach and play, but how to build culture. But, he, but you know, you can do that in your 20s, right? When you're 35, it's tough, man. It's tough. Your 20s is about exploring. I broke it. I didn't know this advice. I learned it when I visited the Czech Republic because this is kind of what they do with their life. They spend all their 20s doing two things learning who they are, traveling the world with the idea, but understanding that this is where you figure out who you are, but you live life in a very high performing way. Like you don't get stuck down with debt and house payments and you find the person you want to love the rest of your life. And you learn to live life and love that person in a way that's free of all the other things that corrode the very foundation of the rest of your life. And they don't really start having kids till they're 30. But I want to go back to, there's something that is just woven through everything that you've talked about because a lot of kids would not come to their dad with that question if they did not trust them. And I think trust is a foundation in all four of those C's because if there's not a foundation of trust, there really isn't a place for any one of those C's to happen, whether it be coaching, because coaching only can happen when someone's willing to listen. And if there's no trust, they're not going to listen because they don't trust what you have to say. So how did you incorporate trust in your raising of your kids to help create that foundation that allowed the four C's to take place? Because without that, I don't think any of those C's could take place. Yeah, no doubt. And, and trust is everything. And the thing is, you know, what people, you know, by the way, we struggle as parents too. We've had to go through some tough times and, and there are, there are things that, you know, there are times when you feel like, you know, you're the only parents in the world that aren't letting your kids go to, go to this party, or you're the only parents in this world that are making their kids come home or, you know, or, or making your kids work in the summer, you know, or all that kind of stuff and have a job. And, all our kids were scholarship athletes too in college, and you know, academically, I I, I held them back quite a bit because <laughs> my wife did really well. It took me about five and a half years to get out of college or six, but but all our kids have graduated from college with no debt, and they're starting to look at their friends who have leased new trucks and and have tons of debt from their school, and they can't buy a house and all that kind of stuff. And and so for us you know, the trust keeps increasing because they see how it's benefited them. But the other, the other side is when they're younger, you know, it's just like coaching. And, you know, we teach coaches consistency is the key to everything. Consistency breeds trust. Trust breeds relationship. And relationships over time breed loyalty. And, and so you have to define then, well, what is trust? 
and trust is actually faith. And, and faith means that you've been so consistent over time, Ben, that now I, I, I can actually predict your behavior, which means you're predictable in a good way okay? and, and consistent, and I can trust you. You know, people always think that trust is, well, you just got to get blind trust. You got, no, you don't. No, you don't. People have to earn trust, and they earn it by being consistent every single day. And the reason we love, you know, even, even, you know, we don't want coaches and teachers and leaders to be crusty old yellers and screamers, but it's interesting how some of those old crusty teachers and coaches we had, we really loved. And the reason we loved them was not only did we figure out that they cared about us, but, but even more importantly that they were consistent. You knew what you were going to get every single day. And, you know, one of the reasons you hate alcohol and drugs is, you know, my dad was a great dad, but but he was an alcoholic. And every once in a while, and he didn't beat me or anything like that, but every once in a while, he'd come home from drinking at the bar. And the reason you wouldn't know what kind of guy you're going to get. Am I going to get the yeller? Am I going to get the guy who falls asleep in the chair? Am I going to get the guy that you know, I don't know? And so consistency is the key to building trust. And, and again, consistent over time. You know, hey, those kids are smart, man. You know, I've got a, a one and a half year old grandson and he's already trying to manipulate me. You know, it's ingrained in us. You know, nobody teaches, as we all know, nobody teaches us to lie. That's in us. And so we have to learn to overcome those things and battle those things. And again, trust is a big, big thing that's linked to our faith, too. You know, I, I think when our kids understand their values and what we believe in and why, and, and it's grounded, now they have a foundation and a stability. This, and I'm going to be straight with you, this crap about, hey, just figure it out. You know, just believe in whatever you want to believe. It doesn't work, man. You know, high clarity equals high performance and low clarity is low performance. If I don't know who I am, like you talked about those trips, you know, and, and figuring out who you are. One of the things I love about the military is you're going to figure out who you are in a hurry. Yeah, you're going to experience a lot of life at a very fast pace. All various levels, right? And you got to deal with all sorts of diversity, and not just with race and everything else, but just with people and where they come from. And you have to get along quickly. It's just like a locker room. And, and so for us, how can you be consistent over time? And then I'm telling you too, the trust factor also is our kids, this is an awesome saying that I've implemented into my life and it's in our lives we have as parents is, I love you so much that I'm going to let you go through this pain now so that you'll be great later. And you know, that means I'm not going to let them go to that party where, where everybody's staying overnight in their juniors in high school. And just because, well, you know, everybody else is, it's like, no, we're, we're not, you can go to the party and then we're going to pick you up and that's how we're not staying overnight and, and, you know, and training them, you know, I'll tell you one more thing too, is, is uh, I created, my wife created space for us to get to know our kids and them to get to know us individually. So one of the things too, I was challenged with by a mentor was to date my kids, not only date my wife every, every month, but date your kids individually, each spouse, you know, so my wife did a great job of every Friday, she'd have lunch with our oldest son after they went and got allergy shots when he was in junior high and high school. And then that, they carried that on for years. So they're very close. And then she also did that with her youngest son. I, I would date my, my, rather than just take my son's hunting or fishing, I'd also take my daughter just out for ice cream. But it was a date and I would model the behavior that I wanted to instill in her and also model the behavior that I wanted her to think that men should have in treating women. And how do I treat people of service, ushers, uh, cashiers, people, uh, workers, right, at the restaurant? And then I hopefully, you know, I gave her a vision for what a man should be like because how a man treats those people of services, how he's going to treat his wife and whether he's going to value her or not. So trying to instill all that, but at the same time, man, you talk about a moving target. I mean, we're screwing up all the time. <laughs> you know, so I mean, 
And, and then just to be able to, I know our philosophy, hey, when we make a mistake as parents, we're going to admit it, fix it, and try not to repeat it. And then be honest about it and take responsibility and ownership. But hey, you know, it, it's it, parenting is, as you, you know, brutal. But at the same time, what a, what a wonderful thing, man. Yeah, there's awesome. no better title than getting called dad. And it is the the battle-tested place for leadership because if you can get like free-willed individuals that don't want to do what you're telling them to do to do something in a way that you can do, like that's so much easier at work if you can create that space at home. And that's talking about like the integrated. Like if you learn how to lead your kids well, you'll be able to lead people at work just as effective because you have they have less they have more free will at home because they're just going to do the opposite. You should see how much better coaches and leaders get when they start to have children at home because now they they have a whole different perspective, right? Yeah, it's and beautiful. It's connected, more connected at home creates a more connected person at work because they understand how to lead in their own household. And they can bring that into every other area. And I loved how you talked about the way that you brought about trust because my kids are younger, eight, five, and three. And I've, I've been kind of using this foundational principle of making sure you're there for the little things because if you're not there to listen for the little things, they won't bring you the big things. And that trust on even something like, so my eight-year-old that has, when school is actually going on, we would always talk about playground issues or issues with girls because for them, it's just as real world problems as the world you're having at work. And I never dismissed it. I was always there. For I think the other part, part that's real important too is, A, are you creating spaces for that to happen? Are you creating environments intentionally so that occurs? That's And, and it can't just be always just the family doing stuff together. To get them alone is, is crucial. And, you know, and, and a lot of people may not agree with this, but um, as my sons have gotten older, one of the things we've done is we've created times to go golfing or we've created opportunities to have cigars and sit on the deck, you know, and, and now they're older, you know, my oldest son's married and, you know, 28 and, and just so, Hey, we're going to go golf and have a cigar and talk. The other, the other piece I thought that was great that you talked about too, that's really important in this whole concept of just parenting, which is, which is obviously very elusive. You know, at the end of the day, you, you really, you really need to cut yourself some slack. It takes Uber, Uber's amount of patience to have, especially the ages your kids are at. And it takes Uber's, Uber amount of, of, of steadfastness to stick with your beliefs and to not give in. You know, sleep deprivation is real, man. And peer, peer pressure is real, right? You know, I mean, I can remember when our daughter didn't play basketball in the winter between volleyball and soccer and, and our family about got crucified, you know, by all the other parents. You know, it's like, no, we're going to go skiing. We live in Colorado and Darned if my kids are going to grow up in Colorado and not know how to ski when they're older. Shame on me, right? You know, it'd be like growing up in Florida and not knowing how to surf. I mean, that's crazy. But it's a constant battle, and and I'm okay with that, though, man. I, I it's fun, and and uh, now it's it's you'll see too later. It's as you say, once you see your kids start to parent, then it's really fun. I always talk like a lot of these ideas are in the R and D lab. But when I talk to you guys at different seasons of their life, looking back, like I get a lot of validation that I'm doing a lot of the right steps, and those right steps are going to get me to that place where I really want to be. And I want to highlight something you mentioned with your daughter that I try to repeat as many times as possible because even on your worst day as being a dad, the reason why, like even for my journey of 75 hard, while I needed to set a higher standard for my life and how I achieved my own success. What you don't realize when you have a daughter is like even just a simple idea of legacy can happen. If you raise the quality of what a man looks like to her in her, your life just by improving yourself, you will automatically change your legacy forever because she won't settle for anybody less than the person that was her dad. So if you set the bar, even if you mess up consistently and you maybe don't even have a good relationship with your daughter, she's going to go out into the world and copy exactly who you are and she's going to reject anybody that doesn't compare up. And so if you're the dad with a shotgun at the door, 
that's the dad that didn't guard his heart or didn't rise to the bar. And he's afraid of who his daughter is going to copy. But if you had lived a very high performance life and you worked on the inner work and you kept your health in check and you set the bar high, I can't wait to see who my daughter brings home because I know it's going to be someone that I'm proud of because I set the bar high of what a man shows up into people's life as. And again, when you talk about that servant leader, how you treat people, like that is the standard. And even on your worst day, it's, the, it's that inner work right there. Even your son, he's going to be your hero. And he's going to set a life like your son following in your footsteps because of the high bar that you set. And he's excited and you're excited. Even if you messed up all the little things, that those big things can make the biggest change because her just find, your daughter finding the right husband, that can be monumentally life-changing in a world where maybe the previous marriages in the, in the family tree have not ended well. You setting the bar high changed everything. And we joke about my daughter still jokes about it and she's been married now for three years but i interviewed all my daughter's dates man all of them and and you know and i sent one guy home and and it was ugly and and but again we're willing to let them endure that that short amount of pain and our pain too so that they'll turn out right in the long run we love them that much you know and i think that's a great mantra to hold on to as a parent that has to discipline kids because the the whole mental health issues too in today's world are real and, you know, and we, we limited our kids' social media too, you know, we didn't let them not do it, but at the same time, we limited it, man. And they joke about how, how we were and everything else and put your phones in the basket or whatever. And, and then, you know, now they go, now they're doing it, you know, cause they know how it can affect them adversely. And, and in today's world, you know, you gotta be in the world, not of it, man. You gotta, you gotta know what you believe in and, and you gotta stake your, you know, you can't just let your sail blow, get blown around all day long. You know, you gotta have a strong rudder so you can go where you want to go. But, but uh, no, man, this is all good. I, I appreciate uh, you doing this, brother. It's good. Well, I appreciate this interview. And one final question as we wrap up, what is, was there a moment in your life where you hit rock bottom that you had to wake up that you could share maybe with us that you like a turning point where you realized that I had to ra- raise up my quality of life that I was living? You know, I can point, I'm very blessed. You know, God has hand on me even when I didn't know it, but I'm going to tell you when I was about 35, I was a head coach at a small university after had been at a lot of different big colleges. And, and it was my second year there. And um, we were turning around. You know, I was a change agent and, and seemed to be good at that. But, but I had no joy. I was really not happy. And, you know, true joy is, you know, inner happiness, right? And, and I didn't have that. And, and fortunately, a friend of mine sent a guy to me, Scotty, and he actually challenged me on some stuff in regard to what my values and faith was and integrating into my job rather than compartmentalizing it, you know, and keeping everything separate. And basically he challenged me and said, Hey, you know what, these players, you got 110 players, 10 coaches and 10 support personnel, and you're in charge of all of it. Plus the recruits that are coming in. He goes, man, all these kids, you know, that they're not yours. They're God's kids and you're just renting them. And you're going to have to answer for this later. And I was like, well, man, I, I don't have any joy. And he goes, well, you need to redefine what true joy is. And, and that, was, that was the whole legacy piece, right? And that was the whole integrating, you know, whether you're a faith person or not, but what's important to you to integrate into what you do at work and everything else. And so that guy started journeying with me and discipling me and walking with me and helping me. I sought out a bunch of his friends and, and coaches that were highly successful that were, that were integrating their faith into their work. But at the end of the day, that was a watershed moment for me because got me on my knees, man. If you can't submit and lay down on your sword and, and, and go, okay, what's this all about at the end of the day? You know, because I had gotten rings, I had had some success and, and everything was fine. But, but at the end of the day, you know, there's no true joy 
enjoy there. And my wife was growing a lot in her her uh, personal life and her faith and everything else. And she was fortunate enough. To, I was fortunate enough. She was patient with me. Again, I, I think what you're talking about here, Ben, we, we always say there's two kinds of great leaders, man, and coaches, ones that have been humbled and are about to be. And uh, and great coaches, you know, and there might be somebody watching this or listening to this that that is like, well, I, I don't I don't have that watershed moment yet. And, you know, I hope I hope my kids don't have to go through the watershed moment. You know, I hope that our, our legacy was such that that it's not easier for them, but but they don't have to make those mistakes that we they have a blueprint made. that they can follow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they and can always know, like even if you died tomorrow, hopefully you don't. Hopefully I didn't jinx it. But if you died tomorrow, they have a blueprint to say, what would dad do? Like I've kind of like kept that as a as a core. Like, can they answer the question, what would dad do? Because that's the blueprint. And it's crazy how that all works. You know, it's that old story uh, that are a lot of the mental conditioning guys use, but hey, there's a hole in the road, you walk in the road. Well, then there, then you walk up again and you and, and there's a hole in the road. And, and you fall in the hole and someone helps you out. And then the next stage of, of growth is there's a hole in the road and you walk around it. <laughs> you know what so, I mean? You hope your kids have that same experience. But, hey, they're going to have their own journey. Uh, they're going to have their own trials. And uh, that's part of life too, right? That's that's what makes them uh, tough as, as they can be and, and anti-fragile. But, uh, and I, yeah. I love what you talked about there, the sports, the whole nine yards for legacy. Because one thing I quickly realized when Kobe Bryant passed is people didn't remember him for the rings or the being a basketball player. That's how they knew him, but they remembered him for being a father and how he showed up. And that gave me hope that we're finally at a tipping point where fatherhood is really identifying. And he gifted the world in something the very last moment that like what you do on this earth is important, but what you leave behind is 10 times more important. And that's what really fucking matters. Absolutely. Totally agree. Well, Rod, I want to, this interview, I loved it. It was just as good as I hoped it would be. If people want to follow you, where's the best place to keep up with you or a little bit of wisdom? There, you know, there's two things. Um, they can go to, uh, by the way, hit me up on Twitter, at Coach O Tip. I do a daily free tip on Twitter, a leadership tip. It's just at Coach O Tip. And then um, from there, you can go to my website at rodolson.org. It's just R-O-D-O-L-S-O-N.org. And that's where you can find it. You can find all my books on Amazon and iTunes and audible.com, all that. But Twitter is probably the best place. And I've, you can also sign up for a free e-newsletter I have on Twitter. You can find it too if you just scroll through because I post one every week. But hey, Ben, I appreciate this. appreciate what you're doing to help vets and, and everybody else uh, and just even more than just the, the military, right? But um, anything I can do to help you, let me know. But God bless you, man, and appreciate the time. Thank you, Rod. I am no, I am positive we brought many dads home. I know we have even have non-veterans listeners because the knowledge here is just uh, just as good for other dads. It's not just designed for military dads. So I really appreciate your time today, and I look forward to getting this episode out. And this friendship is just getting started, so I know it's going to lead to great places. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Whew. That was a great episode. As I was getting ready for this episode and re-listening to it again, I was deeply touched by the stories and wisdom that Rod brought. I loved the four C's of parenting. That was something that hit me square in the chest and gave me a blueprint to really understand the process because they often say parenting is without a a book. There's no manual of how to parent when they give you the child for the first time in, in the hospital. But I kind of felt that way with the four C's of parenting, that the coaching stage, the counselor stage, the consulting, the colleagues, it kind of gave you this idea without really any text other than these labels or bullet points, but it gave me this idea or at least this foundational blueprint of the mindset that you need to have. And a lot of life is about having the right mindset. And I feel like those four C's of parenting 
really opened those up. Being on the same page as a parent, that is something that I also really resonated with. Learning how to create generational change, the legacy builder, that's something that's near and dear to my heart. I loved that conversation. Embracing the struggles of life. Talking about like there's so much talk in 2020 about how to make life easier or how do you be able to binge watch Netflix all day or sit on a beach. I really loved how we talked about through the entire episode about really preparing your kids for those struggles coaching them, understanding how to help them through life and to be good adults. We opened it right up the gates with work-life integration. That is something that I know professional sports struggle with and military dads. And I loved how we talked about it right off the bat because it's something right there. And then to top it off, the nice cherry on the cake was the building trust in a family at the end where we talked about how everything you do as a parent goes back to one word. Are you building the trust required to be there when your child has something heavy on their heart, when life is getting difficult for them? Do you have the trust in your relationship to know that they're going to bring you what's heavy to be able to help solve it? How can you create that every single day? And if you had a bad day as a dad, or maybe had a bad week as a dad, or maybe an employee, just know if you're creating that trust week in and week out, the long game will definitely play out. We talked about consistency a lot in this podcast. And Rod's episode really opened up this whole new avenue for me that I hope to explore deeper and deeper, that this professional sports world has so many analogies and so much wisdom that military dads could take and apply. Because the isolation, the idea that we're part of a team, but we're actually really not when it comes to life. And that is something that military dads struggle with a lot. We have the unit cohesion. We have the unit team. We know what that feels like. We know how to thrive in that, but we don't know how to thrive in an environment where we can be dad in that environment. And when we transition out, the whole thing collapses. We had what we had, but then we don't work on recreating it. And if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, we were never meant to do life on this planet alone. And we were always designed as men to do life in tribes. And we need to find our tribe. So with that, I'm going to sign off and I will talk to you guys again on Friday. If you haven't checked out those Fatherhood Friday episodes, go ahead and head over to militarybadgeranddad.com. Upper right-hand corner, there's a link for all the Fatherhood Fridays from this year.